Anyways, Mark chapter 4, we're going through the book of Mark. We kind of snuck it in there during our fasting and prayer season, and we just focused on Jesus um, kind of kicking things off as he prepared for ministry, and then Alec gave us a little overview of Mark. Ryan took us into the beginning of Jesus starting his ministry, um, and today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 looking at Jesus um, and his parables, Jesus as a teacher, um, but we want to we do the things that Jesus did. His life was so beautiful. Um, what he did in his day, in his time, in his space there in, in Galilee was just awesome, undeniably beautiful. And what's so amazing about it is it didn't just stay in that small town area, but it actually spread over the entire world and is still going strong today. So what Jesus did was so beautiful, so true, so good, and so we want to be able to walk in those things. And it's true that the mission of God in our lives, he has saved us, and he's trying to make us more into the image of his son. That's what God wants for you. God loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you and the people around you enough to not leave you like that. That's sarcasm, by the way. He wants us to change and grow into, into more people of peace, people of love, people of truth, people of goodness, as defined by him and his kingdom. So that's what God's leading us into. He's wanting us to make more into his image. So if we want to accept that and we want to live into that, we need to, we need to figure out how to do the things that Jesus did. And our premise is, if we want to do the things that Jesus did, we have to do the things that Jesus did. Seems a little silly, but what we'd explained is it's, if we want to do the amazing public things that Jesus did, we should start by trying to do the simple, consistent things that Jesus did. And so that's where we kicked off with our fasting. Is that Jesus fasted. Jesus was baptized. These are simple things. Well, fasting is not that. It's, I mean, it's simple. Just don't eat. <laughs> it's complicated because my body's like, what's up, man? Um, Jesus practiced solitude. In preparation for ministry, he fought with the devil. He quoted scripture to the devil, so he had memorized scripture. He studied the scriptures. So we talked about those things. Um, Ryan talked about last week, Jesus started a small group. A little bit of sarcasm, not tons there. He literally did. He gathered these guys together and said, let's do life together. And that's a big deal. for A community is a huge deal. Life groups is what we call them here. If you want to do the things that Jesus did, you, you got, why don't you just start by doing the things that Jesus did and see what happens. And so we're going into Mark 4, and we're going to add to that list another thing that Jesus did. Um, I'm going to read a bunch of Bible here, but you came here for the word, so you can handle it. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it, um, out in the lake, while the, all the people were along the shore at water's edge, and he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because there was no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. It's cryptic. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, 
But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Even more cryptic. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? And the disciples are like, yeah, totally. And he sees their energy and matches it by saying, how then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As they hear it, the Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Others like seed um, sown on rocky places. Hear the word and receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like the middle service at Living Streams, They're like the seed on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it and produce a crop, some 30, probably over here, some 60, maybe on this outside, and then the hundredfold right here. (laughs) I mean, up there, up there in the balcony. What's up, hundos? Um, So just that that finished, bam, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone hears, has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will, have, will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, the first the stalk, and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Clear? Got it? I, I've read these, par- who's read these parables before? It's cool. Um, I've read these parables, I've taught these parables, I, I mean, I, these, and I'm reading through this again, and I'm, re- I'm reading these words, they're so familiar, and I'm reading what Jesus is saying, and I'm still going, what? Especially that part where he's like, they may be ever seeing, but not perceiving, ever hearing, but otherwise they might turn and repent, and that'd be horrible, is what it is like, seems like he's saying. It's very confusing. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. Um, and uh, the first thing that I think Mark, John Mark, who wrote this, again, if you need background for that, that go back two weeks to Alex's message. John Mark wrote this, and John Mark was probably interviewing Peter, the apostle Peter, who had spent so much time with him, because Mark, John Mark, didn't actually spend time with Jesus that we know of. 
but, but Peter did. And so John Mark is interviewing Peter, and he's basically the scribe writing out Peter's account of the life of Christ. And so Peter, through John Mark, they want us to be very, 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 very clear on one of the main things that Jesus did. So Mark chapter 4, early on, as he's still kind of introducing Jesus to the reader, to the world, he says one of the things that Jesus did all the time was he spoke in parables to teach people about the kingdom of God. So you need to hear a few things there. First of all, Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was always teaching. He was a rabbi. They called him a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was a teacher. Again, Jesus began teaching by the lake. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, and on and on again, Jesus is trying. He's trying to communicate. He's trying to help people of the kingdom of this world understand the kingdom of God. That's the second thing. Kingdom of God. Jesus was always teaching the kingdom of God. The most important message that Jesus brought was not Jesus loves you. That's a good one. But the most important thing, the thing that Jesus talked about more than anything is what the kingdom of God is like. What the kingdom of God is like. That's what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. That's what Jesus wanted the crowds to know. What the kingdom of God was like. Jesus came to help make sense of something that was unfathomable to us. He came to help us know the Father. He came to know, help us know the Father's love. He came to help us know the things of the kingdom of God. That's what he did. And he did it through parables. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, is even an earlier introduction of Jesus and the first thing he does. And it says that he came and he spoke about the, the kingdom of God and how it is here. It is near. It's not something that you get to when you die. It's something that is right now, right here, and the doors are wide open, which is crazy. But then he demonstrated the power of the kingdom to show, I'm not just talking about it. So, that, so Jesus was very intent on making sure the kingdom of God was known and understand by everybody. So first of all, if we want to do the things that Jesus did, we should actually try and figure out as much we can about the kingdom of God so that we can then share the kingdom of God with others. So that's what Jesus said. Mark chapter 4, we see this here. So Mark chapter 1, we introduced Mark chapter 4, we see it there. Jesus teaching, kingdom of God, parables, boom, boom, boom. Mark chapter 6, Jesus actually gathers his, his guys together and he sends them out. He sends them out two by two to go and proclaim the kingdom of God and to tell people to turn from the kingdom of this world and turn towards the kingdom of God. And then Mark chapter 16, verse 20, I'll read it to you, the very last verse of the book of, Luke, of Mark. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And what did they preach? The kingdom of God. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So here we have this perfect little illustration. If you want to do the things that Jesus did, you got to do the things that Jesus did. So as they did the things that Jesus did, they proclaimed the word of God. They preached the kingdom of God. The Lord worked with them, and there were signs that accompanied it. They preached the kingdom of God. 
and the kingdom of God showed up. And people were set free. And people were healed. And people were delivered. Preach. Signs. Share the word of God, the kingdom of God, and God brings the power. You sow the seed, somehow that seed grows. You're not doing anything. Once you put that seed in the ground, you do nothing. You don't even deserve for that thing to grow. You just sit around and do nothing. What, you go eat, you go sleep, you wake up the next day. Sometimes you don't even look. A few days later, you look, you're like, oh, look at that. If we want to do the things that Jesus did, we got to do the things that Jesus did. So this is what I'm encouraging us to do. This is what the life of Jesus is trying to do. This is what Peter and Mark are trying to encourage us to do, that we are to be people who proclaim the kingdom of God. And I get there's a cost to it. I get it can make you feel awkward. I, can, I get it can be hard. And we'll talk a little more about that in just a minute. But So that's the first thing we've got to notice here in Mark chapter 4. They want us to know that Jesus was a teacher. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. Um, and he did it in parables. Now these parable things. What's up with these parables? Um, as I was studying this, a friend of mine was talking about how, you know, when, whenever he gets a new board game, he'll read the rules, and the rules make no sense. But then as he plays the game for a while, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now these rules make sense. And for me, it made me think of when I was in Africa one time, South Africa, and I was, I was like, hey, there's a bunch of kids here. Why don't we all get together and play baseball? You know, it seems like a fun thing to do with kids. Kids love it. And so we got together, and I was like, okay, um, who knows how to play baseball? Is it like soccer? Or they'd say football? I was like, I don't even know what football you're talking about, so no. And I was like, okay, well, here's, here's what you do. All you do, it's real simple. You just, you, I'll throw the ball, you hit the ball, and then you got to run to first base. But then when you get to first base, if you turn to the left and go off the base, you can be out. But if you turn to the right and go off the base, you're actually fine. And they're like, okay. Okay. And I was like, but if you, and then when you're on first base and the next guy hits it, you want to get to second before they get you out at second. But if the ball's in the air, you kind of have, you have to get back to first. But unless they drop it, then you do have to get back to second. But if they catch it, you got to get back to first before they get there or you're out. Okay. But then if somehow like you're on your way back and then the guy at first base gets the ball, then you have to run to second and the guy at second base, then you're in a pickle. I was like, let's, let's play some soccer, guys. You know, <laughs> we got a soccer ball. What are we doing? I mean, it's like, but, but if you grow up in it and you're watching it and you live it, not everything makes sense. I didn't even get to tagging up, you know, like, it, and that's only first base. It's like, well, if you cross home plate, you know, before the run is out, that counts as softball, but baseball, no, it's still just, I mean, it's insane how many rules there are and how crazy it is, but the more you play it, all of a sudden all those rules are just simple and easy. Even little kids can understand them. And so I love that illustration as we're kind of starting to unpack what Jesus is doing here. Is he's sharing these parables with these people, and they're like the rules. And they, I don't know how to play the game. But as they spent time with Jesus, as they got close to him, Closer and closer and closer. And as they watched him live in that tension between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, all of a sudden 
all these parables, these rules, begin to make a whole new sense. And they thought they were so valuable and precious that they recorded them in all of their accounts of Jesus' life. Like these, these are the teachings of Jesus. And, and the truth is, the, the, the fact that they were able to recount these, I mean, if Jesus told this one little story about, you know, the, the lampstand and you put it, like, they're not going to remember it. But, but he must have told these stories over and over and over and over and over again. So the disciples who were with Jesus, every time he would go to a new region, they would ask him a question and Jesus would use the story that he'd already told, a parable. They became teaching tools that the disciples then took and they used those same tools and maybe developed their own tools to help them understand what the kingdom of God is like because they got to start to understand what the kingdom of God is like. And this is what we're supposed to do and I have in my own life, your testimony, right? That's your story. If you can get that summed up and dialed in, it's actually pretty nice when someone asks you a question. You can be like, well, for me, it was like this. You jump into that. And I tell a story about a big, scary guy who wanted to play my guitar and thought he was just going to eat my guitar because he's so big, but instead he started playing my guitar and it was beautiful. And I never knew my guitar could play like that. And it was right then when the Lord came and said, David, I want to do something with your life. Will you trust me with your life? And I was like, no, I'll just play my own chords. And they sucked. Yeah, so like there's just these little things that over time, it's, so I've, I mean, I've shared that little parable of my own life. I've shared that all over the world, honestly, as I've tried to help people understand what the kingdom of God and how it came near to me. And Jesus made sense of it to me. And so we all need to have them because we, we are supposed to go out. We're supposed to take up what Jesus, what Jesus did and we're supposed to go out and teach the kingdom of God and we're supposed to use stories that can understand. Another thing, these stories, these people, most of them probably weren't educated. They were farmers. They were shepherds. They were people who grew their own food and so it makes perfect sense that Jesus is using a story that they could all understand and relate to. He's bringing the kingdom close even in the way that he's doing this. And this parable, um, obviously, is a very famous parable, and it's, it's an interesting parable because Jesus actually says to them, if you can't understand this parable, how will you ever understand any parable? So there's something kind of like core and basic to this parable that helps us understand all the other parables. And in this parable, you know, it's very clear. We all know the story. There's, there's four soils, and it's, it's the parable of the sower, but we call it the parable of this, the soil, usually when we describe it, and how the seed falls on some people, and then the birds come and snatch it. And that's like the devil and his deceptive ideas. And then you got the other soil where it's a little bit of good soil, but it, it's got a bunch of rocks, and so the word takes root, and these people start to be like, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then as soon as it gets a little tough, or as soon as God says, hey, it's time to remove one of those stones, they're like, yeah, that's cool, Jesus. You just do your thing. I'm just, I like my stone. I like these things, you know. Like, I don't know. Um, there was a guy in, in Belize when I was living there. Oh, I tried to do softball and baseball in Belize too, and with kids, it just didn't work. And then for them, I tried to teach them football, and that was confusing because they only know soccer. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, football, you you throw the ball with your hands and you catch it with your hands, and we call it football. And they were like. I'm not, I don't want to play it anymore. They're just like, no, I don't want to do that. That makes no sense. Um, so anyways, but um, well, this guy in Belize, he was 77 years old. His name was Brother Hugh, and I'll never forget his parable that he shared with me one time as he said, 
You know what following Jesus has been like for me? It's been like me just kind of carrying a wheelbarrow. And every year I'm just walking this road with my wheelbarrow of stuff. And God comes and says, hey, I want, I want, I want you to get rid of this this year. I want you to get rid of this this year. And he spoke so slow and so Belizean. And I was just like, where is this story going? But now I'll never forget it. And he literally, he said the first thing that God did is he said, I don't want you to gamble anymore. And then he said the next year, he said, I don't want you to smoke cigarettes anymore. And he said the next year, I don't want you to treat girls the way you've been treating them. And it was just like one by one. And he says, and now I'm 77 years old. And he, he said, and God still this year, he's just like, Time to take some, let's, let's look at something else in the wheelbarrow. Let's get those stones out of there. Because the more the stones go out, the deeper the roots can go. The more we empty ourselves of all of that stuff of earth, the, the stuff that easily entangles, the more we can be filled with the Spirit, which brings life. And then the last thing was, you know, there was the ground that, it was like, the ground was good and it was growing and there was all this, this growth and development. It was beautiful, but what they didn't notice was there was a lot of growth around them, the weeds and the cares of this world. And eventually they just started caring about the world, what it thinks. They started caring about money and just the other stuff of this world and worries. Ugh. You know Johnny Cash's song, Worried Man. Anybody know that? I sing that to my girls a lot. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Because I'm like, you guys aren't worried about anything. Let me just tell you some of the things I'm worried about. Um, it's totally rude. Moment of weakness. But Johnny Cash, he wasn't weak. So I feel strong somehow. I don't know. But anyways, the worries of this world, it just chokes it all out. Even when there's growth, it just chokes it out. And that's that soil. And then there's the good soil. And it doesn't tell us much about the good soil. It's just that, boom. Stuff's just growing and producing. It's producing, it's producing, it's producing. But if we focus on the soil, we're missing the entire point of the parable. Jesus said, do you not understand the parable? The farmer sows the word. It's the parable of the sower. The focus is on there is a farmer who is sowing the seed. Jesus is like, I'm the farmer. And I'm out here sowing the kingdom of God to everyone, knowing that some will reject it, some will miss it, some will get choked out, and some will want to kill me for it. But I'm sowing it because there are some that are going to get to experience the kingdom of God and help others experience the kingdom of God. The farmer is the one that sows. He goes on, he talks about the lampstand. The very next parable is, you don't hide the lampstand. You put it up so everybody can see it. So if you have the word of God hidden in your heart, if you've understood anything about the kingdom of God, you are supposed to declare it and share it. The very next thing he says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. It's back to the farmer sowing the seed. And then he talks about seeds again with the mustard seed. What, what they're wanting us to understand is that it is so important for us who are following Christ to be sowing the seeds of the kingdom of God all the time, everywhere. The grocery store, the school, in your own family, neighborhood, at church. I'm telling you, there's just nothing that helps you begin to grow in your maturity and your following of Christ and your faith as when you start to teach the Bible to others. 
And I'm telling you, for me, it was kids. I don't know what happened. I got tricked into teaching kids. And I did it for, I did it for probably 15 years straight, every Wednesday, every Sunday, probably a couple of them that didn't hit. But every Wednesday, every Sunday, I was teaching the Bible to kids. And I think it had very little to do with the kids. I don't know if those kids remembered anything I said, but I remembered. That seed got deep in my heart, and it just started to grow and grow and grow. So again, the point of all of these parables, the point of this kickoff of chapter 4, what Jesus did is he sowed the seed. And you and I, if we want to follow him, it's our job to sow the seed as well. And now I'll wrap up with just a couple. Um, I, my, I set out to do this teaching, and the first thing I asked myself was, why did Jesus speak in parables? Because you, I read it. I mean, you guys are with me. And th- how many times in there did you get tripped up about, like, Jesus, you, just, couldn't, you, you made this hard or confusing or whatever. Um, and even that phrase, like, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. So I was like, well, so why would Jesus do this? And I came up with six reasons, and I feel good about two of them. <laughs> So I'm going to give you the two I feel good about. I would be interested to see what you come up with because um, it's a good you know, Bible study tool. Ask the questions why. I mean, it's, it's okay to question the Bible. That's actually a good Bible study to start there. Um, but then kind of get your answers. Don't stop until you get answers. Um, so I, I came up with six, six reasons why, um, but I'm going to give you two. <laughs> um, so the first one is actually implicit in the text, and it's, it's very simple. But there's something about teaching in parables that both reveals and conceals at the same time. And, and it harkens back the passage that they may see but not, um, they may see but not uh, perceive, or they, may ever see, they may see but not perceive, they may hear but not understand, otherwise they may turn. That's actually harkening back to Isaiah. When God came and said, Isaiah, I'm going to put words in your mouth and I want you to speak to the, these to the people of Israel. But I want you to understand before you go and speak them, it's not going to work. They're not going to. They're not. They're going to hear it, but they're not going to do anything about it. They're going to see it, but they're but they're going to be blinded to it somehow. And there's something about the word of God. There's something about it that 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 draws in the ones who are being saved and repels the ones who are not. And we could go deep into all this stuff, but but more simply, I'd like you to think of it a little bit more. Um, like Moses in the burning bush. There's a parable for you. So Moses has got this burning bush, and we know it's burning bush um, because it actually says, Moses noticed that it was a bush that was burning but was not consumed. So it was at least burning for long enough for Moses to be like, huh, what a weird bush. It's exactly what he said, except in Hebrew it was like, <laughs> you know? Um, ancient Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. Um, but it was burning long, so we don't know. Like, in my mind, you know, Moses is out there. It's the desert. It's hot. It's like, I get it, Bush. I feel, I feel like I'm going to burst into flames right now. You know, the next day comes back, next day, next day, next day. Maybe a month goes. I don't know how long. But at one point, it says that then Moses inquired to see what it was happening. And the parables are like that burning bush. It's like God presents something, and he's looking to see who will inquire deeper. Who will draw in and say, I want to know more? I don't understand. Can you help my unbelief? Maybe. Jesus was constantly throwing something out there to see who would bite. Because he knows that you will never fully understand the kingdom of God. You will never fully understand any of his parables or teachings until you get to know him. 
if we really want to do the things that Jesus did, if we really want to be like Jesus, we got to start by just being with him. It's absolutely true. we got to be with Jesus. And so these parables were something that would reveal and conceal at the same time. It's a very prophetic kind of reality there. But, but in Mark, the language here is that Jesus is literally saying, I'm doing this so that, so that people will draw in closer. Because the crowds, I can't really give them everything that they need. Because ultimately, they need a relationship with me. But you guys who have drawn in, you guys who have forsaken the kingdom of this world, and you've said, I want the kingdom of God, and you've come, and you're staying with me, you're going to get to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. There's something about the way that Jesus taught that drew people in. Because he is the kingdom of God. And then the second thing, and this is what's so beautiful and so wonderful, is that Jesus spoke in parables and said the kingdom of God is like because the glory of heaven cannot be contained in earthly words. There's just no way to do it. I mean, Paul uses marriage as an example to say, hey, there's something about marriage that's really, really special and cool when it's done right. But, but really, it's not about marriage. That's, that's just a tiny little glimpse, just the tiniest little taste of what God has in store for us in love and unity. And the father's love, when a dad loves his kid and does it right and stays in there, and the mother's love, those, that's a powerful, wonderful, important thing. But it's just like a shadow of a reality. It's just a faint little shadow there on the ground of something so much more majestic. It's kind of like saying of the Grand Canyon, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's a neat place, you know? How do you describe that? And we're talking not just about another place on earth, another country on earth. We're talking about, we're talking about something that is outside that. Um, there's a guy who wrote a song, and he talked about it. He said, basically, it's kind of like trying to smell the color nine. And it sounds weird, I know, but just let that sink in for a little bit, because that's exactly what's happening. If we really were trying to understand the, the kingdom of God, it would be like trying to smell the color nine. It's just, it's different. But we have these parables, we have these glimpses, we have these pointers, we have the tips of the icebergs that Jesus gave us here in the scriptures and the taste that we get to experience. And again, we'll talk about miracles and the accompanying signs next week because Jesus did that. But right now we just got to focus on Jesus as the teacher. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for your example, your life, your teaching, your message. We thank you that it's reached us. We were outside, but Lord, you helped us to see. You helped us to, to find a way to turn and repent, and you've helped us to know you. And I pray that you would use our lives as farmers for your kingdom, that we would sow the seed of your kingdom so that people can know your righteousness, joy, and peace in believing. And we thank you that your kingdom can't be contained in our capacity for understanding or our language. And we long so much for that day when we get to see the full realization. 
or our faith becomes sight. Amen.